welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Hey guys. I feel like God wants to encourage us this morning that if if uh, if if we want to to come alive, if we want to experience uh, the the heart of God, the blood of God, the heartbeat of God, and the blood of God flowing through our bodies, that we need to adopt the cause of God. And the degree that we there's many causes that Jesus has established and mandated in this in the New Testament. But one of them is so clear that he said that his people were to go, to go to the nations. And, and he doesn't necessarily mean a geographic nation. He says, go to people that don't know, people that are suffering. And the degree that, that you and I say yes to that call to go to, to the ethos, to go to the, the ethnic groups of, of the world, the ethnic groups of, of Cleveland is is in one sense the degree that the life of God is released within us. If you want a great life, you need a great cause. It's really true. And so the Lord is awakening us to, to this cause that he has. And, you know, Cleveland is a fantastic city. You know, this is a city where the nations come. And, you know, we did do a missions trip abroad, and we did work with refugees, but the, uh, the truth is that there are, there are neighbors. In this city, there are refugees all around us. This is one of the, one of the major cities in the U.S. where refugees come. I don't know if you know this, but there's, there's 65 million people that, that are forced to leave their home and their nation and their city because of persecution and violence, because of war. And half of those... And, and those are what's called asylum seekers. They're people who are just running for their lives. And out of, out of that 65 million, there's 22 million that, that, have land, that have landed in United Nations refugee camps all over the world. And they're basically, it's basically prisons. They're walled cities that you can't leave. And, and, and most of the people that go to the refugee you know, camps die there. Only 1% of 22 million people actually are released from the refugee camps to get replaced or re- relocated to a, a nation that would have them and call them uh, family and welcome them into a home. 1%. The majority of people, their children, they, are, they live their existence in a refugee camp and they die there behind barbed wire. It's, it's tragic. In this city... In Cleveland, it has, uh, is one of the U.S. cities that is international and it's diverse. And we open our borders or open our, our hearts and our hands to refugees that come here. And in, in the west side in particular, in Lakewood, in Parma, all along the Rain Avenue from, from west 90th to west 140th is full of refugees. Nepalese and Burmese and Iraqi Refugees, African refugees, 
They're everywhere. And God's heart is for these people. The, man, the, the biblical mandate, you know, Jesus told his people in, 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 uh, in the Old Testament, he, he said that, that this is how God describes himself. He's a God who, who defends the cause of the fatherless, the widow, and he loves the foreigner who is living among you. Gives him food and clothing. And you, my people, are to love the foreigner for you were foreigners as well in Egypt. God's heart is, his cause is, you know, the people that are, are the farthest away, the most fragile, the most defenseless are the people that God defends the most because he fights for them and he expects the people of God to do the very same thing. In Leviticus chapter 19, uh, this is a, this is a, this is an amazing challenge to, to the people of God. It says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, when a foreigner resides among you in Cleveland, in your neighborhood, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your brother, as a native born. You are to love them as yourself. That is a great call. It's a great opportunity, and, and uh, you know, within one of the, one of the uh, ministries that God has birthed in this church, it's, through, it's really through Building Hope in the City, is we've started a, uh, a, doing mentoring, refugee mentoring, and, and the, you know, Keith and Karen Miller, Pete and Lydia Laszlo, my wife Anya and I, Paula Clark, we've all been, th- we, we, we all said, yes, we want to be mentors, and all it is is a friend. We just meet people that are refugees. They come here. They don't want to speak any language. They don't know how to get a library card. They don't know how to, when, you know, when they get the sweepstakes in the mail that they want a million dollars. They don't know that it's, a, <laughs> that it's not true. You know what I mean? Like, we, we are just friends to these people. We meet them. We hang out with them. You know, yesterday, my wife and I took these two little, uh, these two kids from the Democratic Republic of Congo. We went to the metro parks and went walking in the river. And they'd never even been to the metro parks. They haven't seen Lake Erie yet. And God loves it. So, so I mean, I, you want a cause to live for? I, and I'm just challenging us as a church. I'm challenging each. You want to live bigger than you? Get the focus off of yourself. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. Find someone who needs to be cared for and loved and encouraged. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you love international people, if you have a heart for, uh, you know, for the stranger, for the foreigner, I just want to invite you to be a part of the refugee mentoring. To join us. We, we, we have four families. In our, we should have 25 families doing this. And you would come alive, honestly. You would come alive. You know, Bill Simpson went to one of the refugee families, and he helped them repair a bike so that they can go to the store and buy food. Just helps them fix a bike. And just, just being there. And I guarantee you, what you receive in return is priceless. It's just amazing. When we, when we say yes to the thing that God cares about, it does something within us. And if you're bored, 
if you feel like, you know, I'm, I've heard everything, you just need to start giving your life away to those around you. And I guarantee you'll come alive because the life of Jesus will flow through you. And it's in this city. This is a city of refuge. Every year, five to 700 people come to, the, to Cleveland that are refugees from Democratic Republic of Congo, from, from Burundi, from Rwanda, from Nepal, from Iraq. And there's some Syrian families that are coming right, right now as well. Very few, but there are some. Just a great opportunity. So it's an invitation and a challenge to, to actually talk, just talk to me. Talk to my wife. Uh, say, what do we need to do? There's a training. that's get, There's actually two trainings. There's one in, um, I think it's August 21st at Building Hope in the City. And then there's a training. Yeah, no, excuse me. It's August 19th. It's a Saturday morning at 8 a.m. till like 10, something like that. You go through a training about refugee mentoring, understanding refugees. Then it's September 21st. There's one. If you want to like jumpstart your life with God, I just, I just want to welcome you to, 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 to check it out. You can, you can, I can get more information to you, um, but, uh, but I just want to challenge you to live bigger than yourself. Now, uh, there, a great opportunity in Cleveland. We, we had the amazing opportunity, uh, you know, our team, because we're the... Eben has formed a partnership with our church with the Tanzanian partnership, which is Tanzania is in Eastern Africa. And so our church is like, this is, our, this is they're, they're our family now, these churches in, in Tanzania, in East Africa. They're our family. And so we're connected and we're committed to, to going there every year and to investing financially and relationally and all that kind of stuff. So this trip, we went and it was, uh, it was really the first one we were part of the partnership. And we went to four cities, and it was, it, uh, it was, and, and you, you funded it, like part of it. You helped, so thank you for, for your generosity. But we went to, to, uh, to Tanzania, we went to the capital city, and, well, it's not even the capital, everyone, yeah, I'm sorry. Dar es Salaam is the big city. It, it, it's not really the capital, but everyone calls it the capital because that's where everything happens. Um, and so we went there, and we launched Healing on the Streets in the city, we did, a, we did a, a training thing. We launched healing ministry. We had a big sign that said Upanjaji, which means healing. We, 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 we had this, the team prayed for, the, not me, this team prayed for this kid that was deaf and couldn't speak, and he started speaking. It was a Muslim kid, Francis. And then it's just, it was just amazing to see what God is doing. And the church in, in that city is that it's pastored by a couple from Columbus. And we just, we blessed them. We served them. I mean, we did medical outreaches with, you know, Dan's a doc. And we did medical outreaches. We prayed for people. We, we just, we showed up saying, hey, we're here from Cleveland. We're just here to serve you, serve your church. In any way that you want us to serve you, any way we can bless you, we're here for you. And so we did that in Dar es Salaam. We went to another city, which is right near Mount Kilimanjaro. We went there and, and ministered to area leaders and did uh, tons of prophetic ministry to their staff. And it was just wonderful. And the, and, and the leaders of that church, the, the guy is Swiss and his wife is from Australia. She's a crazy Australian woman. And they have a dynamic church of you know, a couple hundred people uh, right at the foot, foot of Mount Kilimanjaro in this really cool city. 
And then from there, we actually went to, a, a, we went to Bur Burundi, which is right next to Tanzania. And it's actually a war zone. And, and, and the largest vineyard church in Africa is in the, is in the capital city in, in Burundi. And it was, it's, the, the church is about 800 people. And it's all, it's all like 30 and under. It's all young people. It's full of young people. They, they do church for four hours on Sunday morning. It was crazy. Like, I spoke after three hours, and they said, can you speak? And I'm like, I'm tired, man. I can't speak. It's, it's like crazy. But they are just so hungry for God. And in, in 2015, the president of Burundi decided that he wasn't going to honor term limits. I don't honor that. I'm going to stay in power. So he, it's all about him. So the EU cut off all aid to this nation, and it became a war zone. There was the, the main market, there was terrorism. He's recruiting all these young kids to become his militia. And, and the church, our vineyard church in Burundi in 2015 was about eight to 900 people, and 500 of them left as refugees because the violence was so great. And, and everywhere we went in the city, every corner, there's a guy with an AK-47. And they wouldn't let us go on the streets and do ministry. It was really, it was really, it was, it's just dangerous. In the church there, the, the, the 500 of their people were scattered abroad. And when they escaped across the border into Tanzania, the, they were hunted. And they were killing them as they were trying to cross the river. 500 of their, and the church, in, in, since in two years, it's, it's, it's 800 again. God has just called them in. And, and what was happening is, it's like, you think of refugees as, as like this burden. You know what this church had is they, they had, there's such life in this church, in their worship, in their, their the, Jesus is so real in this church. And when 500 people were scattered for their lives, they, they actually, it was a loss to that church, but it was a gain to Rwanda, to, to all the neighboring countries. You get, they, they set these people out as missionaries because they carried the life of Jesus. It was an amazing deal, an amazing deal. This church is such a significant church. And, and, uh, and to see like a place where real persecution happens. And I can't believe we got to go there. It was humbling. And there was such power in, when we had meetings there. Like phenomenal power. My son got up and welcomed the Holy Spirit. And there was all these like high school kids. He, that we just, he said, Holy Spirit, come. And we got quiet. About four minutes later, all these kids were just, I don't know what happened, but they were all flying backwards and laying on, the, like God just kind of showed up. It was wild. It was such an honor to do to do this. And the, so, so we went to a, an area that's a war zone, that's a refugee place, and we just loved. They want us to come back. They they they're like, can, you know, and honestly, they've got so much to teach us and to give to us. Quite frankly. Um, this amazing reality. And then the last spot that we went to was, it was in the city we've been to, Evan and I, been, he's been there like three times, right? Mwanza, um, and, and we're working with church planters, and our very first vineyard church plant just got launched. 
in this city. It's this young guy, his name's Ellie, he's 26 years old, and, and just launched their church plant. They had a building given to them. God is with them. Uh, Dan will tell stories in a little bit about what happened because we went out and did ministry in his community. It was just phenomenal what the Lord did. And we just, we, uh, we went as a, as a group. And one of the great gifts that was part of this team was that um, is we went as family because it, it was like a teenage kid, which young people, for the most part, are kind of overlooked in, in, uh, in the third world, really. Uh, they don't have a voice. And women are, it's patriarchal. So, so we went, and my wife just did incredible ministry. My son, you know, in Swahili, the, they, they said, Kuba, what kind of name is Kuba? And then he did ministry with, with his room with all these pastors, and they were, like, blown away by the prophetic gifting that was on him. And they ne- renamed him Kubwa, which means big. <laughs> my little son, he's big. Because, and it's not, he's big. God is big. And God reset, he, he rests on anyone that would obey him and go where he tells him to go. That's what he's looking for. It's just anyone that would say yes to the great causes of the Bible. And the great causes are really, there's a couple of them, not complicated. It's to love God with all your heart, and all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And to, that's the great commandment. The great commission is to go to the peoples of this world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that Jesus commanded the, the apostles to do. That, that, it's real simple to love God and to go after people. And we had the privilege to do it. And thanks to you guys for funding it, for supporting us. And we're part of this partnership. And there's going to be opportunities for, for you to get involved in Cleveland with refugees, with immigrants. There's opportunity for you to get involved in the world with refugees and, and other churches, our other vineyard churches, that are just longing to partner with us, to learn from us, that we can learn from, from them. I can learn a whole bunch from them. And I just, I want to invite you. And I want to challenge you to say yes to something bigger than what you have right now. To say yes to God. How could you use me? And he will, uh, he will be significant in your life. Now, I'm done. What I'd like to do is have uh, Kubis in the back. Uh, he's he's t- doing uh, the K-5 class, talking about missions. But I'd like Anya and Dan to come up and to share a little bit about what they saw. And then we're going to welcome God and we're just going to pray together. We're going to welcome the presence of God. We're just going to minister together. Okay? But can, can you guys come up and, and uh, I think, oh, I need them. Yeah. She's got it. Okay. Both come on up. Come on. <laughs> Dan, it was, he was so amazing on this trip. You should have seen him. And the one place we were at, the woman said that, she said about Dan, she said, he's cuddly. But he's kind of like a bear. Like, you wouldn't mess with him. Like, he's strong, and, he's, and it was so true. He was just amazing. I'm going to let, let him listen to what he has to say. Phenomenal. Uh, gathering and 
praying for like this older lady. They didn't even know how to pray. They had to repeat after the translator, and she got healed. And it was just like really amazing for her too, because she was a Christian and she was probably ninety or something, and she got healed. Um, likely people. Um, and then uh, I also wanted to share something else that was challenging for me um, on that trip. Um, I'm not much of being challenged by like culture and tough circumstances. That just doesn't bother me. But uh, um, it was kind of an unlikely challenge. Um, we went to a market in one of the places. And I love shopping. And I kind of know how to shop in Africa, so I took my weapon with me, which was my tiny little Tanzanian friends, that friend that was translating and bargaining with me, for, for me. Um, so um, when we were there, uh, it was my second time, and I, I'm really drawn to this ethnic group of people. They called Malai people. And you maybe saw them in pictures. They wear like those big, thick necklaces and... They like kind of dress very differently. They scattered through Tanzania and Kenya. So I really wanted to go to Malai Market. So we went to the market, and uh, uh, it was a lot of tiny little stores that you walked into. And uh, we were doing our bargaining. <laughs> they ended very well. <laughs> but I was with my friends, so uh, that was really helpful. But uh, what was really challenging for me that uh, the people are very, very aggressive there very aggressive and they basically are very persistent and they pull you into their stores and and they're like on top of you and uh, and after a while you start feeling like a walking wallet and what I noticed it did to me that I just started avoiding people and not looking them in the eyes and I was kind of a little bit aggravated like my boundaries were crossed and I'm like this is not working if you push me you know I'm Polish I do the opposite so, uh, yeah, I was getting kind of really aggravated by the whole atmosphere of, like, bye, bye, come here, you know, come to my thing. And, and uh, in the midst of it, I felt like the Lord really spoke to me and said, like, you know, you don't see people in them, you know. They see you as a wallet, and you're upset about it, but you see them as nagging, you know, trying to get something out of you people, and that's not right either. And uh, so what happened, I made myself, and you know, I, I love bargaining, so we got this awesome bargains, and, and then I started thinking, maybe I'm stealing from the people, because I bargain so low, <laughs> <You know? laughs> maybe like, so um, I made myself actually stop and, and, and talk to a couple of them, one was like this older woman, and I said, uh, you know, how are you, and kind of like, like brought it to more personal level, and ended up praying for her, and and I remember the moment when, um, you know, there were a lot of white people there and all that came with cameras. And, and I remember the moment where my friend translated that I want to pray for that woman. And, and she was almost in tears. And that, like, broke something in me because I'm thinking, like, you know, I, I, I got totally out of my mission mode and got into my shopping mode. <laughs> and it's just so easy, like, not to see things, you know, especially when you're feisty and bargaining and looking for the use and... And uh, uh, so that was a real, real blessing. And then at the last stop, when we absolutely had no money to spend, but they still pulled us in, uh, there was this gentleman that, again, like we started talking to him, and I made myself because I really didn't want to talk to him. I just wanted to get out of there. And then Kuba noticed that he had a little New Testament on the shelf. So 
he was a Christian, and then, uh, you know, when you actually took time, he, he, he revealed that he had some struggles with his baby and his wife, and and we ended up praying for him, and uh, I actually got the, you know, text from him this morning, and he's doing well, and it just, like, that was my struggle, and also my experience that, uh, like, if you stop, God can do so much more than you think he can. I want to say a couple of things. Uh, I want to share something that happened to me, and then I want to share something that that was uh, something that I really liked, one of the best things uh, during the, uh, the trip. So when I went to this trip, <clears throat> and I was uh, praying about what to uh, tell these uh, people and how to encourage them, the Lord put it on my heart to talk about his love, how much he loves, no matter what you do, how much you love, loves me, loves you, even if you're in the middle of your sinning or whatever you do, God's love doesn't change. He's never going to love you more, never going to love you less. Even if you just sit in church for the rest, rest of your life, you don't evangelize, you don't do anything, God will love you the same way. So that's a powerful love. And so I started talking to people, and then they were receiving it. It was powerful. But at the same time, I didn't feel his love, which was very interesting. I knew about his love, but I didn't feel it. And I was struggling for days and days after one another. And I was praying, God, why don't I feel your love? I'm talking about your love. I'm encouraging your lo- uh, people. And they feel it. And I don't feel it. What's going on here? And um, uh, we were flying a lot. So we were on planes like 10, 15, 13 times. And uh, <clears throat> when we went to Burundi towards the end, one night, the Lord showed me a person that, uh, that really loves me. And in the presence of this person, I never feel shamed. I never feel, uh, I always feel encouraged. And there is this, this, this safety, this love. And God told me, look at that person. Just think about that person. Have that person in your mind. And I'm sure you guys have one of those people in your mind. Um, if you don't, I said in the earlier service, talk to Tom. He's one of those guys. You can talk to him. But think about that person. And then when I visualized that person, he said, I love you 100,000, 10,000 times more than that person. So that was, that was a very powerful, it brought it in, it brought it home to me and started feeling his love. And the next morning we went to the four-hour service and we were worshiping and uh, it was in Kirundi. Uh, we didn't understand the word, but we were singing because the words were up on the screen so we could copy it. And uh, the Lord showed me a picture <clears throat> where uh, he was standing there. Jesus and I walked up to him and he he hugged me and put my uh, head on his shoulder and we were both crying and then he uh, he lifted up my hand like this and he said uh, like you know after a boxing match and he said we are winners and uh, and then we walked up into a, a big tent and he had a, a throne I sat on a throne I was sitting by his feet and I told him you're the captain. You, got, you run this, this show. And, and he said that this tent is my, my life. It's my heart. So I started pouring my eyes. I, I couldn't stop crying. And I'm singing Kirundi and crying. So that was a powerful, powerful experience for me. Um, and then uh, my favorite part, well, one of the favorite ones, <clears throat> towards the end, um, we went to Mwaza and we were talking to people, church planters. These are young people. And they started churches, like five, six people, just 
basically just starting up, and they probably did like a, a year of uh, sort of rudimentary seminary, but they are just normal young people starting churches, and we were trying to teach them things like that. So the last day before we fly before we flew out, um, we still had to go out to the streets and then just kind of evangelize and pray for people on the street and see and show these people how we do it and, you know, just get them involved. There was a church startup in, in Mwanz, uh Elliot, that's his name, something like that. that. So he had a building that he got, uh, he, he received as a gift, and so he had a few people in the church, but not much. So we went to his area, we, um, but in the morning when I woke up, I was like, God, I hope Tom changes his mind and we don't want to go out here because we were just spent. It was, it was really hot and humid and dirty and dusty. So we went out and we split into two groups um, and Kuba and I we went to one direction and they went to the other di- direction and then uh, we both had like uh, Africans with us, like six, seven of them. We walked up to the first uh, like group of like three teenagers, like 18, and we asked them, do you have anybody has any problems we can pray for? And with a translator, obviously. And this guy had some headaches, so we prayed for him. The headache was gone. And then we started preaching the gospel. And as we were preaching the gospel, explaining about Jesus, people kept coming. So we had like 10, 15 people around us because we were white people. We stuck out like, you know, sore thumb. And after we finished the, uh, the, the, the gospel sharing, um, we asked who wants to accept Jesus. Eight people raised their hands and then they accepted Jesus, and we took their numbers and, and things like that. And then we kept walking after that. We um, ended up seeing this old lady with a small child, six-year-old, seven-year-old girl. So I walked up to her, and I said, uh, can we pray for you? And then she said, not for me, but my, my I think it was her uh, granddaughter. She has AIDS. She has HIV. Uh, so we started praying for that little girl. Again, a lot of people gathered around us. And then we prayed for her stomach. And then again, we started preaching the gospel for, for, for those people, to those people. And uh, after that, we asked again, who wants to receive Jesus? Another eight people accepted Jesus. So we wrote down the names and all that stuff so they can uh, connect with them. And then we kept going. Uh, we had to leave at that point, so we were going to go to the meeting point. But one of our African friends said, Go into that house, they need to accept Jesus, just a random house. So we go into that house, there are two guys doing something on the ceiling, it's, uh, it was under construction. So we started sharing the gospel, the one dude just was sitting up there, standing up there, and listening to us, the other one was next to us. But at the end, sharing the gospel, when we asked if they want to accept Jesus, he ended up coming down, and then they both accepted Jesus. And then, so we got the numbers and all that stuff. So in two hours, we got 18 people accepted. So that was a good startup for that church. So it was, it was worth, uh, you know, wake, uh, going, <laughs> waking up that morning. So that was my favorite. Wasn't that great? You know, uh, after that, Dan and I were walking down this dirt road. And I'm like, dude, don't you want to do this the rest of your life? And, like... You know, just just from, like, talking about, like, 20 people, you know, like, joined our family that day. And, like, there's, like, a huge party in heaven still going on because of it. So it's super cool. But, um, like, I just wanted to thank everyone who supported us. And um, it really it was impacting me and impacting other people. And 
you know, my parents were, like, uh, incredible. I mean, like, everyone was looking up to my dad, and I could relate to all of them. And my mom, like, you know, every every woman in the, like, everywhere we went was looking up to her. And, and also to him. I mean, this dude is, you ask him to give prophetic words, it's, like, crazy accurate. Um, <laughs> but um, it was just... It was just super cool to see people's, you know, lives uh, change and just like that. And the the biggest, you know, impact it had for me is, is like as I said, I just I just want to see this wherever I go. Like, I want to I want this to be in you know my school, and I want this to be like just an everyday thing, not um, not something you spend sixteen hundred dollars to go to visit. So um. I really wait. Are we? Are you closing up after this? Or? Sure. I'm done. So here's what we're gonna do. We talked a lot. I know. So there's like probably five of you think I gotta go, and and we but we want to do ministry. Do you know what I mean? We really love to pray for people. But if you can, can we do that? Can we break? And if you guys want to go get your kids, if you want to go to lunch, no shame on that at all. I told you. But we'd love to encourage and do some ministry if you'd like that. So um, you can be, let me pray. Father, thank you. And uh, just what a great, uh, Lord, what a great day. We thank you, Jesus, for the calling that you put on on this church. And I just pray you'd encourage everyone here. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear all that you're doing around them today and tomorrow and that they would join in in the fun. Let's pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So once you guys, you can go. Did you have some prophetic words you wanted to, to, to share? Okay. Um, I really felt... Uh, I really kind of saw a thing like... Um, so, you know, if, if you guys ever stand on, like, those, you know, the 30-foot, uh, like, diving boards, and, you know, you see, like, those those uh, those kids who just kind of stand there and are looking down, and, um, you know, it, get, it gets, like, and thinking about jumping into the water, and, um, but it's, like, it's boring up there, you know, you, you don't, without the jump, that's, like, no thrill, and, like, I, I feel like, especially for me, like, I've been living up there kind of as, like, you know, walking with Jesus. Like, that's how I've been living. Like, it's like I'm complaining it's boring, and I'm still standing at the edge of the, you know, diving board. And, like, throughout in the trip, I really felt God tugging in my heart. It's like, you know, just jump. Like, this is what you're supposed to be, and you have to trust me and jump. And, like, the free fall is, is you know, like, when you're trusting me. Like, that's where you're supposed to live as Christians, not at the top of the uh, diving board. So I feel like if any of you guys, like, feel like your lives is, like, you know, following Jesus and is, like, boring, like, I just challenge you to, um, if you just want to come and, you know, have one of us pray for you or, um, and just, you know, get the courage to jump and trust God because that's, our lives won't, your life won't be boring that way. Um, I also feel like people, um, like, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't be insecure, and I know I struggle with insecurity a lot. Um, I also struggle with depression sometimes, and it's uh, 
you know, every time I do, God just comes back and, you know, tells me, he's like, you know, I love you, and um, your circumstances don't define, your, you know, current circumstances don't define your future. So if anyone, if, if anyone, like, struggles with insecurity, and I know it's hard to say you do, but if you do, um, if we could just pray for you, that would be amazing, because, you know, that's not, that's not something you should deal with.